well, uh, don't look now, but it's getting pretty good in here in the garden service, isn't it? And I'll tell you, this is like July. When the fall comes, I'm just excited to see what God continues to do. Uh, I just want you guys to know that, you know, each and every week, God just gives me a greater love for you as a congregation and as a church family, and uh, I look forward to being with you guys every week, and I'm hoping that you're starting to come to the service with a sense of expectation, not a sense of obligation, but man, I wonder what's going to happen today. I wonder what God's going to do in my heart today, and I, and I really want to encourage you to start looking at church with that vision that it, from teenagers to, 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 to the oldest member of the congregation that's here, all of you, I want you to approach Sunday morning with what's going to happen today. And I really see that God has continued to do that in a lot of our hearts, and I'm very excited about it. And this series on Philemon, uh, God's really been using it in my life. Uh, there's been some examples where I've had to apply conflict re resolution just in the past week or so. Uh, some of the nightlife kids actually witnessed some of it, did you not? On, on Wednesday, yeah, you did. It was pretty good, yeah. All right, so. Um, now, Conflict resolution. We talked, you know, about several things in the book of Philemon. One of the things we talked about is recognizing when God is at work in somebody's life. You know, we discussed that a little bit. This week, I want to talk about bargain hunting or what is your price. And let me explain it this way. It seems to me that many times when we are in conflict with another brother or sister in Christ, and by the way, that's kind of the conflict resolution that I'm talking about here. Okay, I'm talking about when members of a family of believers have conflict with one another. That's what this whole book of Philemon is about, is dealing with that type of conflict. Whenever we have that conflict, it seems to me that one of the biggest hurdles that we have to resolution, to restoration, is how much we want to get back based upon how much we were wronged. We have a price tag. Well, look. What they did cost me such and such, and I better at least get half of that back. Or three-fourths of it back. Or at least admit they owe me and they're going to make payments. So what is your price? What is restoration worth to you? What is the, the amount of repayment, whether it be emotions, money, Material things, reputation. What is the amount of repair that you require for restoration in a relationship that's broken? <clears throat> Starting with verse 12, I'm sending him, we're talking about Onesimus. This is Paul again through this whole process. I'm not going to recount the whole story, but for those of you that don't know, you'll have to listen to the podcast. So anyway... Um, I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. Paul is talking about sending Onesimus back to Philemon. And he's saying, look, I'm sending him back. And what I'm sending back is a big sacrifice on my part. Because I love the guy. And he's become so important to what I'm doing. But Philemon, out of respect to you, I'm sending him back. And he's delivering these three letters to different churches with yours attached. Now skip to verse 17. If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes you anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. He's basically signing a blank check. 
I will repay, not to mention to you, Philemon, that you owe me even your own self besides. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. Let's break it down. First thing, Onesimus is coming. You know the one I'm talking about, right? The runaway servant. The one who owes you a lot of money. The one that betrayed you. The one that you have this very public conflict with that everybody in the church family in several different cities knows about. Everybody knows about it. He's coming. I'm sending him to you. And here's your job. Treat him just like me, the apostle. You know, me, Paul. The one who started the church you're a part of. Who led you to Christ. Who you owe your very life to, according to what the scripture says that we just read. Who is currently in prison for preaching the very gospel that you love so much. That's me. So Onesimus, the guy who ran away, who owes you a lot of money, that betrayed you, that you have all this public conflict with, he's coming to see you, and when he arrives, I want you to treat him as though he is the Apostle Paul, me, who started the church that meets in your house, who led you to Christ, who you owe everything to, and who is currently in prison for your benefit. I sacrificed my freedom preaching the gospel so that you might have life. I want you to treat Onesimus just like you would treat me. Guys, that is not an insignificant request that Paul is making. Here comes the Nesimus, treat him like an apostle. Treat him just like you would me. If we are truly partners, Philemon, if we are co-laborers, if we really are brothers and friends, when this guy that you're so frustrated with comes, love him. And treat him just like you would if I were there. Oh, and by the way, give me the bill for whatever it is your cost, your price is for reconciliation. Whatever it is, whatever you think that you rightfully require of Onesimus to make the relationship whole again, whatever that cost, you give me the bill. I will pay it. Because Onesimus doesn't have any money. Oh, by the way, Philemon, remember, you kind of owe me pretty much everything anyway. But give me the bill. I'll pay it. But just remember, you owe me a lot. Now, if you're, if you're Philemon, remember, this isn't a private letter. You guys understand that. Right? I think we, sit, we, set, we set that up for you the first week in the series. There were a lot of witnesses to this. Some elders, some teachers. It was attached to other letters. As a matter of fact, we, we talked about the fact that in Colossians, there was a request that all these letters be presented to all the other churches and they swap them back. The letters at Colossae, make sure the Ephesians read them. Make sure the Ephesians read the Colossian letters. And make sure everybody sees all these letters. I want everybody to read them. They're not just instructions for those individual churches. They're instructions for all of you. 
Now, the reason he wrote to different places is because he wanted to personally recognize many of the people in these churches. And we talked about that, did we not? The first week we talked about the fact that conflict happens when relationships come close. And I presented to you the idea that if we as a church never have any conflict, then we're not very close. We don't have very good relationships. And I submitted to you the, the fact that Conflict is part of the price we pay for intimacy. It's just a fact. If everything is always peaceful and serene, it's not very intimate, period. Okay, so back to our recap. If you do all this, Philemon, give me the bill, receive him just as you was me. By the way, you owe me a lot. It will refresh me while I'm in prison. <laughs> so Paul says, look, I'm sending him back to you. I don't want to, but I'm sending him back. When he gets there, treat him just like you would me, the Apostle Paul. If there's any bill, whatever you think the cost is for restoration, give it to me. I'll pay it. By the way, you owe me a lot. Now, Philemon, if you do this, it will refresh me while I'm in prison. He's really putting the pressure on, isn't he? I mean, some people might go so far as to say he's manipulating Philemon a little bit. I don't think he is. I think he's being pretty honest. See, what basically Paul says is, Philemon, while I'm in chains for the sake of the gospel, while I'm going through the difficult time in this prison, nothing would thrill me more than to see this public fight resolved. I would love it, Philemon, while I'm in prison, eating porridge and stale bread, to see this fight ended. Because you understand, it will actually help me, the apostle, in my relationship with God. It will actually help me. I will feel better about what's going on. Because basically... I'm in prison eating porridge and stale bread. And you're there in your house. So, Philemon, it would help me in my relationship with God. Oh, by the way, you owe me a lot of money. And by the way, everybody's reading this. Did I mention I'm in prison? I know you will exceed my expectations. You know, because like I said, I recognize God's work in your life. It's unmistakable. And so remember, in the, very, the, the second week of this series, I talked about the fact that you better recognize. Right? Yeah, I even put fool, you better recognize. It's important for you to understand that when you approach a conflict with another brother in Christ, that one of the important things for you to do will be to make sure that they can recognize or you recognize Christ at work in their life. It's very important. And so Paul says, know this, I know that you're going to do even more than what I'm asking. I think what Paul is saying is, don't give me a bill. I mean, you know. Because I know that God's working in your life. And I trust that God is in you. One of the things I shared with you last week 
was that you need to trust the God in people more than you trust the people. And that's what Paul is doing here. That's what Paul is communicating about Philemon. So this is kind of the recap of what happens in these five packed full verses. Now, I'm going to read you a passage. I want you to listen carefully to this, okay? I'm just going to read it. If you want to follow along on your iPad or your, your, your Android phone with a, with a Bible app, or if you want to open your scriptures, that's fine. It's Matthew 18, verses 23 to 25. I'm not going to put it on the screen. I'm just going to read it for you. If you want to follow along with, you know, however you want to do it, that's fine. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle all the accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 bucks. That's a paraphrase, the bucks part. Since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. But the servant fell on his knees begging, have patience with me, master. I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him all the debt, all 10,000 bucks. Now, that same servant went out and he had some servants, fellow servants, and one of them had borrowed 100 bucks from him. And he seized him and he began to choke him, saying, Pay me what you owe right now. You owe me and you haven't paid me back. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused and went and put him in prison until the debt was paid. Now when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said, You wicked servant, wicked, evil servant, I forgave you all that debt. Because you pleaded with me. Now shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant who only owes you a hundred bucks? I had mercy on you. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father, ready, will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Guys, listen up. The stakes just got a lot higher, didn't it? What does this mean? Does this mean you have to earn your salvation? No. Here's what it means. If Christ really dwells in your life, if God has truly saved you, what the Scripture teaches us, and we learned this through a huge two or three month study in the book of James, did we not? That faith without works is dead. If your faith does not produce righteousness, it's a dead faith. It's not real. It's not even alive. And what Paul is saying is this. I have confidence in what God is doing in you that you are going to do the right thing. And the right thing is actually outlined by Jesus in this story. If you are in such a situation of judgment that you cannot forgive your brother, the Scripture calls you an evil servant. In other words, you're not really a child of God. Because God does not judge His children. 
He forgives them. He transforms them. He redeems them and he restores them. Here's another example. Let me explain it to you this way. We were at conflict with God with our sin. We took our free will and we spat on God with it. We said, I'm going to do what I want. And God said, the only way that conflict is going to be restored is if I pay a huge price, my son, Christ, on the cross. And so the conflict with God that was raging, he hates sin. He can have no part of it. God said, the only way they're going to be able to be restored to me is if I pay for their death with my own son. There's another example of paying for a conflict and determining what the price was for God. It was so important that his relationship with his church be restored. He said, I will sacrifice my son, Jesus. Proverbs eleven fifteen. Watch this. This is really something. Whoever puts up security for a stranger will suffer harm. But he who hates making that deal, he's secure. You see, Jesus could have been secure. God did not need us. But the scripture says... Whoever becomes surety or whoever takes on the debt for someone else, whoever co-signs on a loan, whoever lends money, whoever does that will suffer harm. What did Jesus suffer? Harm. Why? He became surety for us. He declared the price he was willing to pay. He paid it so that we might have life. That's what Proverbs 11.15 teaches us. Those of you that co-sign for someone else, by the way, what is Paul doing? In this story? Exactly. Paul is showing the work. He's a picture of Jesus in this story. He says, listen, Philemon, I know there's this conflict with Onesimus. I'm willing to stand in the gap and pay the price. But I know Christ is at work in your heart. You're going to do a lot more than I'm expecting. So how can we approach conflict with the mindset of getting what's ours, right? When the price that Christ paid to resolve our conflict with God, if he hadn't paid that, we wouldn't have, insert censorship bleep here. You got it? We wouldn't have, the scripture calls it dung. As a matter of fact, the scripture teaches us that our righteousness, that we think about, our righteousness, without Christ, it looks like a pile of... Fill in the blank in your mind with whatever word you want to use. We won't judge you. So, back to our conflicts. You see, Christ put up security for our relationship with God so that we could be restored. He was willing to co-sign, to suffer pain. Personal story. I'm 17. I'm in college, and I want to buy a car. I just graduated from high school. Getting ready to go to, school, go to college. 1986 Dodge Charger. 
was going to cost me $158.65 a month. I didn't count insurance because, you know, I didn't plan very well. <laughs> Mom, will you co-sign for me for this loan? No way. <laughs> Dad, will you co-sign? No. Pastor Steve Hicks, my youth pastor, would you co-sign? No. Nobody would co-sign for me. Nobody would step in and be surety because why? They knew I wasn't going to make five years of payments at $158.60 something cents a month. They knew I wasn't. I had one more shot. Hey, granddad. <laughs> will you co-sign for me? He says, did you ask your mom? Yeah, she said no. Hmm. Did you ask your dad? Yeah. He said no. Did you ask your youth pastor? No, he didn't say that. He, he said, you know what? I love you. What the heck? I'll co-sign. A year later, he was making payments. But he knew. He, he knew, right? I mean, I was going to college, and I was a waiter at Steak and Shake. He knew I wasn't going to be able to keep that job. He co-signed, knowing that he was not going to allow it to become a conflict, that he would step in. For him, the price was, for my relationship with him to stay pure, $158.60-some-odd cents a month. Guys, conflict resolution shouldn't start with what you believe you need to be made whole. If you approach a conflict with that in mind, it's still a conflict. But rather, how much are you willing to pay so that restoration can happen? By the way, you owe your own self to Jesus besides. Right? And so if we ever have a conflict... Let's say, for example, I owe one of you $1,000, which is very likely to happen in the future. <laughs> and I don't pay it. And it's really bothering you. If you trust the God in me, then you'll approach me and say, Joe, our relationship is not well because of the money you owe. And I want you to know, I'm willing to forgive the debt if we can be restored. Now that's a risk, is it not? Because if you don't trust, if God is not at work in my life, there could be a situation where I say, awesome, thanks, I just got a thousand bucks, woo! Or you could be like Paul who says, and Philemon, I know you're going to do even more than I ask. Now this is where we are. Conflict. You want to resolve it? Do not approach with the idea of how mu what is my price? If they owe me a thousand, will I settle for five hundred? Will I settle for two fifty? Will I settle for seventy-five cents? No. Matter of fact, if I gave a little more, would the res resolution be restored? I'm not talking about enabling somebody's sin. That's not what I mean. What I mean is this, and we talked about this in the book of James. If you recognize how much debt that you had when it comes to your relationship with God before Christ, and you recognize, you know what, without God, I wouldn't have, insert favorite word here. But with Christ, He restored my very life, and He attached a price tag. The price for my sin was supposed to be death. But He gave me a gift, which was eternal life. So now when you approach conflict with a brother... Who are you to set a price? 
by the way, the person you're at conflict with, if God's at work in their life, they may do a lot more than you realized. They could do a lot more than you asked. But remember what Matthew says. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Don't go bargain hunting when it comes to conflict resolution with a brother or sister in Christ. What's your price? What are you willing to sacrifice for peace? And how much confidence do you have that God can transform somebody like Onesimus or Philemon? What about yourself?